ready for a new world order. Well, the organisers here are nothing if not ambitious. The world as we know it has changed. Altering our current path to the future requires a strong and proactive leadership. The global economy is in transition. Now is the time to come together as governments, as nations, as people. Putting nature at the heart of how we innovate will make us ready for the final frontier. Putting people at the heart of robotics will create a better tomorrow between AI and society. <laughs> the World Government Summit will enable nations to come together and take accountability. We cannot continue to destroy our environment. We are here to shape the future. Build a better tomorrow by taking action here and now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Subliminal Message Studios. I am your host, Leonardo. And we are in our Blaze It segment. Thank you very, very much for joining me in, guys. Let's get to it. Your Excellency, are you ready for a new world order? I think, uh, <laughs> Becky, the, the main problem is uh, if you think of the technology, the technology is 21st century, 22nd uh, century technology. What is happening in AI, what is happening uh, everywhere really that will really transform and is transforming our lives and also transforming uh, international relations. But I think the, uh, the frame of thinking is still 19th century. I think this is one of the problems that we have in the international system. Where if you look, we are still, it's still about nationalism, it's still about state sovereignty, it's still about use of force or non-use of force. And I think this is one of the major, major issues as uh, we try to, uh, to bridge really what is mentally uh, you know, governing international relations with the 19th century mode of thinking, but at the same time with technology fast, fast ahead of us in the curve. That I think would be a major problem. My mentor on issues of world order is Henry Kissinger, so I'll try to channel him, and forgive me, Dr. Kissinger. But his answer would be, what do you mean no new world order? We have not had a world order yet. What we had is we had a Western order that was imposed on the world. And I think where we are now, and this gets to your question, Becky, of a new world order, is uh, it can go in two directions with the war in Ukraine now being a decisive element. Either the jungle is back, as the historian Bob Kagan talks, and, and that we can go into a darker era, um, or we could go into an era because of the advances of science, advances of technology, that could be one of the most prosperous, promising, progressive, enlightened, moderate, modern eras that we've ever faced. If, if we are looking at a new world order, a new world order that, that is, as Pippa describes it, decentralized. If we are looking at a new world that is not a, a sing, single power based, as it were, and a world that is layered by these, what feel like very new global issues of climate change, of cybersecurity, as you suggest, of technology and the speed of that, 
what does that mean for this region? Because the perspective that we discuss world order through, as Fred has rightly pointed out, has been a Western perspective. My sense is that we must stop doing that. So what, what is the impact well, on I this think, region? I think to start with, uh, Becky, the region has to catch up. Mm. I mean, the region is really uh, behind various other regions uh, in, uh, in the world. And I think it's by uh, prioritizing its own uh, politics and prioritizing its own polarizing wars and, and confrontation. The region really, I think, number one, uh, as the world is becoming multipolar, and I believe it is, and I agree also with the idea that this multipolarity is moving from economic to uh, from political to economic to what I would call even currency multipolarity as we move forward. What underpins a world order is always the financial system. Uh, I was very privileged. My father was an advisor to Nixon when they came off the gold standard in 71, and so I was brought up with a kind of inside view of how very important the financial structure is to absolutely everything else. And what we're seeing in the world today, I think, is we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new one, the new accounting, is what we call blockchain. It means digital. It means having an almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. It also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. In my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights if we're going to have digital money. Uh, but also, this new money will be sovereign in nature. Most people think that digital money is crypto and private. But what I see are superpowers introducing digital currency. The Chinese were the first. The US is on the brink, I think, of moving in the same direction. The Europeans have committed to that as well. And the question is, will that new system of digital money and digital accounting accommodate the competing needs of the citizens of all these locations so that every human being has a chance to have a better life. And I think we cannot leave this event without speaking about the need to prepare now to prevent a catastrophe. Because the loss of the fertilizers from both Russia and Belarus, the enormous increase in the oil price, which directly hits farmers around the world, already has caused a jump in the wheat price, which is the single most important foodstuff for this region. And last time we saw this, that was a major contributing factor to the Arab Spring. So now is the time to think through how will we solve this? And that will be part of the answer of what will the new order look like. And then tell, tell us and tell the audience, should compliance measures such as AML, CTF, and KYC be utilized in this new world of stable coins and central bank digital currencies. Thanks, Gabe. Um, so I'm Jonathan. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of a company called Chainalysis. We provide investigation and anti-money laundering software for cryptocurrencies uh, across the world, including here in Dubai. And so what we have seen over the years uh, in crypto 
is that you can actually have this type of unprecedented transparency um, that was being spoken about that actually you're able to monitor for the types of AML and, and CFT risks in a open and permissionless environment. And you know, whether that is in Bitcoin or Ethereum or whether those are you know, stable coins that are based on those blockchains, you know, we are able to you know, follow the money in those scenarios and actually detect you know, different structuring um, and, and really all of the different ways in which people can abuse cryptocurrencies, including stable coins. The nature of money is going to change quite dramatically. The old systems of, uh, of trust and of ownership uh, will have to adapt radically. Maybe the financial system will become so complicated as AI takes over more and more uh, of the action that nobody, it will be just too complicated for the human mind. So how does a system function when nobody, no human, really understands it? Maybe the ultimate destiny of Homo sapiens is just be consumers. You don't need humans for anything except as consumers. There are many occasions in history when uh, people didn't value very much other people as consumers. If you think about slave economies, so you didn't think, oh, we should, we should uh, uh, liberate all the slaves and improve their conditions so that they will buy our products. Um, and in the future, slavery is, is unlikely to return. If, if you need less humans, you definitely don't need slaves. But you could, for example, encounter a situation in which machines are also the consumers. You need consumers, but they, even, even in consumption, somebody is doing a better job than humans. You could have an entire economy flourishing without humans in the loop. You can have one corporation that mines ore and produces steel and sells it to a second corporation that produces robots. And they are sold back to the mining corporation uh, that mines more steel, more, more iron, produces steel, sell it to the robots corporation. And these two corporations can form an entire economic ecosystem which can spread from planet Earth to other planets and throughout the galaxy, just colonizing new planets and asteroids to mine things. And you just don't need humans in the loop. It's not a law of nature that you always need humans even as consumers, or, or all the humans as consumers. They, there could be, potentially, other consumers out there. Now the question arises, but what's the point? What's the point of having this closed circle economy that benefits nobody outside? But you can ask the same thing about the human economy. You could have sophisticated economies in the future in which humans, or at least many humans, are not needed even as consumers. I think it's specifically about Europe, is how few people are willing to kill or be killed for uh, nationalism, which is a wonderful development, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, a century or two ago, to decide the question, like whether Britain should be part of a, of a European Union or, a, or an allegedly independent country, you would need a big war with millions of people being killed and injured and so forth. 
Uh, as far as I know, in, the, in Brexit, only one person lost their life, a British MP who was murdered by some fanatics. And the rest of the people just followed whatever the, the, the referendum said. And it's the same with the Scottish referendum. In past century, if Scotland wanted to be independent of London, and they wanted to, to be independent a couple of times, they needed to raise an army and to confront the, the, the armies that London would send from the south to, to burn Edinburgh down. Now they just go to a referendum, and almost everybody just accepts the results. Very few people are willing to actually be killed or to kill. The three biggest problems we face are nuclear war, climate change, and technological disruption. And none of these problems can be solved on the level of a single nation. You just can't solve climate change or regulate AI on the level of a single nation. So the only solution to these global problems is greater global cooperation. Whether we actually see greater global cooperation, I don't know. It's the wise thing to do, but we should never underestimate human stupidity. The most important fact about living in the 21st century is that we are becoming hackable animals. And you have these two components. The animals come from biology and from biotech, and the, and the hacking comes from infotech and from computers. Mm -hmm. But for almost any change that people talk about today, you need to take biology into account. Even something like a self-driving car. For a self-driving car on, a, on the road, it's important to first be able to tell the difference between a child and an adult to gouge the, the, the age of that human being and to know something about what's the difference in behavior between an 8-year-old, an 18-year-old, and an 80-year-old person. And that's critical, even for something like self-driving car. When you reach the point when you say, okay, I want an AI doctor, I want an AI teacher to replace or augment uh, human doctors and human teachers, then it's obvious that without biotech, you are not going to get very far. Do you think there could be such a thing as an AI doctor? Certainly. I think it will be, uh, it, it's coming quite soon. It will have immense benefits for, for humans. You go around 24 hours a day with biometric sensors on or inside your body, mm -hmm. and they constantly send information. So you're monitored. From, you are monitored. You are monitored all the, all the time. The, the information goes to an AI doctor, maybe on your smartphone or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, uh, analyzes all this stream of information and monitors your health in a way which no human doctor can, can, can even approach. As far as, as biology tells us today, anger and fear and depression they are also biochemical processes, biochemical patterns, just like flu or cancer. If the AI can diagnose flu, it can also diagnose anger. And the fact that it doesn't have any emotions of its own actually makes it in, in, in many situations much better because it has no distractions. People will become so used to computers that are so empathic, that really understand me so deeply that really care about my tiniest nuance of, of emotion, that humans will not be able to compete. We will become intolerable to all these humans who don't understand us the way that the computers understand us. Yeah.